everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the First in Orange podcast. This is Denver Post sports writer Kyle Newman alongside my colleague Ryan O'Halloran out here in Indianapolis after another pitifully predictable performance by the Broncos. 15-13 loss on another last second field goal to the Colts. Let's start with this one, Ryan. Who to blame most for this latest loss? Well, yeah, a lot of directions to go, and, and you know this was a come from ahead loss. You know this was a different chapter than the same losing book. You know they lost to the Bears at the buzzer, they lost to the Jaguars at the buzzer, and then this one, uh, 22 seconds left, Vinatieri wins the field goal, wins it with a field goal. You know the blame game. I got to start with Coach Vic Fangio, and I'm probably in the minority on this one, but the play calling on the Broncos last series was the intent was clear. Run as much time off the clock as you can. Make Indianapolis use all their timeouts, which they did. That comes from the head coach. I mean, offensive coordinator Rich Gangarello, I'm sure there's other plays that we're going to point to throughout the week saying, why did you do this? Chiefly, three passes from the three-yard line in the second quarter. But, you know, a team that can't finish, to me, means a team that's not not only tough. I mean, they let stuff get to them. They don't know how to finish a game. They don't know how to convert on third down. They can't avoid a penalty. And uh, so... I think that's why, you know, if I'm Vic Fangio, I have a little bit of an edge this week saying, hey, you know, at some point these guys got to learn how to do it or else you got to find new guys. Philip Lindsay post game said, hey, you know what? We had to get five yards to win the game. We couldn't do it. We're putting too much on our defense. And hey, speak, speaking of uh, inflammatory post game comments, Joe Flacco had quite a bit to say. He wasn't so cool, Joe, after this game saying it just feels like we're kind of afraid to lose a game. Um, I would agree with that. And it was a rare show of emotion by Joe Flacco. You know, one thing you heard about him throughout Baltimore is he's not going to be a guy who second guesses the coaching. But there's obviously things he didn't like about the play calling today. And, you know, he has freedom to get out of a play. But I think at, at that point of the game, he's going to run what's called because that's what the, you know, what's the superiors say. You know, you get to the three, you pass it three times. That's a mistake. This is supposed to be a running team that prides itself on running it, even though when the other team knows you're going to run it. The last drive, they got that. They got the initial first down. Okay, they needed one more. Third and five. That call surprised me for one reason. They passed on second down, which means they weren't afraid to be a little bold. I'm sure in their mind, they're thinking, okay, that second yard pass is going to set up a third and one, third and two. You're going to punch it in, get the first down, go home happy. But they didn't. Third and five, Phil Lindsay had no gain, no chance. Other thing that's killing right now, their screen game stinks. And I don't think they have the offensive linemen that can get out in the in the open field and make those blocks to have that happen. If you're a good screen team, that's an easy call on third and five. High percentage pass to complete, it means clock's not going to stop. See if you can get some yards. But every time they ran a screen today, it looked like a train wreck. So those are a couple things. And as for Flacco, bravo to him. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some really tough conversations that need to be had at, at, at the midway point of the season. And you know, thinking out loud while I talk a lot is this is not, you know, and I think in Flacco's mind, this was a build, this was a buildup, not a one-time thing. So there's obviously some things he hasn't liked and that frustration boiled over tonight. One thing that did go right for the offense is Cortland Sutton drew two penalties, totaling 46 yards, also had four catches. He had one big drop to start his day. You were in front of his locker after the game. What did he have to say? Uh, you know, there's more to be desired there. Uh, reading between the tea leaves, you know, he was delivering the company line of, "Hey, I'm not the OC. If I was, I'd call pass play every time. I got to call what Coach 
you know, I got to do the play coach rich calls, but at the same time, you definitely kind of get the sense of frustration, just targeted twice in the second half, uh, one catch in the second half. And even Flacco in his post game comments said, Hey, I said at halftime, we should try and target Sutton more two targets, not necessarily getting through there. Yeah. And the problem with the, you know, I don't have a problem with targeting Cortland more because I think that's what they should do. But a couple things, he's not a bubble screen guy. He's not a quick thrill guy. He's not really a quick slant guy. You know, he's a fight. You got to take a five step drop. You got to let him get downfield. Oh, was that a problem tonight or something or today? Uh, Mr. Bowles, right? <laughs> yeah. He, I, mean, I thought Garrett was going to be in for a long day because he got run over early by Justin Houston. And let's face it, he may have gotten another stay of execution with Juwan James's injury because maybe Wilkinson was going to see some left tackle stance. Well, that ended with, with James getting hurt again. And now you wonder, if, you know, what's going to, you know, it took him seven weeks the first time to come back. You know what's going to go on after his MRI and stuff like that. So I agree. I, I agree with Cortland, but also the reality is it's very tough in this league to hit deep shots on a consistent basis. What I'd like to see them do more of Sutton is work in the middle of the field. He knows how to do things after the catch, and I think that would be a, a you know a good good place to start working on defenses. But here's the thing: Emmanuel Sanders drew attention, even when he wasn't healthy or he's whining defenses respected him that makes Sutton worked against maybe a guy who he was better than and that that meant he had some long catches I think Sutton is up to beat number one corners in this league but this was only one week so I think he has he's got to be a little more patient than Joe Flacco was Again, folks, that's Ryan O'Halloran. This is Kyle Newman on the First in Orange podcast here in Indianapolis. Denver falling 15-13 to the Colts. They fall to 2-6 and six last in the AFC West. And, Ryan, you mentioned the injury to right tackle Juwan James. Went down the second quarter today. Of course, he was injured week one against Oakland. Uh, inactive finally again this week. And he goes down, same knee. Uh, and then also Jeff Hireman, tight end, later on in that drive, got rolled up on. He left with the knee injury did not return uh, was seen walking out on crutches uh, out of the stadium and then uh, Dalton Reisner another injury played through an ankle and then he had it in a boot as he left as well yeah and uh, you know with James now you just now you just figure he's like you can't count on him and, and that, that, that's not a negative but you don't know how serious the injury is and how long he'll take to get back and so it's Elijah Wilkinson's that right tackle do you, do you give Calvin Anderson a shot somewhere he's been inactive um so I think you start looking at scenarios uh, at right and left tackle. That said, they still had a one-point lead with 155 or 155 to go. Colts were at their 11-yard line. Von Miller had them from Jacoby Brissett at the goal line. And here, this is what I wrote about my analysis. 6.26 seconds summarizes the first half of the season. Vaughn has a free run at a quarterback. Future Hall of Famer on his way. Wraps him up. But the big fella doesn't go down. He spins around for a set, takes out Derek Wolf. As Derek Wolf said, an uncoordinated, stupid play on my part. I tripped over Vaughn. Brissett scrambles out of the end zone, throws a 35-yard dart. Colts are off to the races for the winning field goal. And Chris Harris had been shutting down T.Y. Hilton. And, of course, that was a long play to be covering on, on the deep post that Harris acknowledged. But you could tell he was upset post-game about that, about giving up that play. Yeah, and, you know, um, as he should be because he's a competitor. But, you know, that's a that's a long time to be tracking a guy as fast as Hilton. And Chris did, a, like, a great job the entire game. You know, one thing that Chris talked about after the game was – is this his last game as a Bronco? And Same Derek Wolf too, right? Yeah, yeah. trade deadline's 2 o'clock Denver time on Tuesday. Both players said, hey, you know, they, 
you know, they would like to, you know, stay here and finish out the season. They're both in the final year of their contract. You know, I think Derek Wolf is more likely to return next year on a shorter term deal. I think Chris is looking for one last payday. Um, I think he ends up with the Rams and reunited with Wade Phillips, uh, but we'll see what happens there. But I think the next couple of days are going to, I don't think it's going to define the season, but you're going to really feel what, you're going to really tell what John Elway thinks of this team. If he trades Chris Harris, to me, that is a white flag. The Sanders trade was not because you had Sutton. If you trade Wolf, um, it's not a white flag, but also maybe you're counting on him returning next year uh, and re-signing with the team after the deal. So Draymond Jones would get a lot more playing time. He's not as good against the run. Would those two trades, if they happened, um, make the Broncos worse? Of course they would. But you can add some more draft capital, maybe a fourth or fifth round pick, something like that. So, you know, at two and six, you know, this season is on the road to nowhere. I mean, if if Drew Locke was healthy and they had confidence in him, that would get us to the finish line as beat writers, put him in for the last four games, <laughs> make it intriguing. Now it's about, okay, honestly, it's how bad is it going to get? Um, this team... I think the Chiefs game was an aberration. I think this team has enough talent where they're not going to get blown out often, and they have enough young players they're going to still have a buy-in that they're going to play hard. But as we're talking about during our lovely walk through downtown Indianapolis tonight, is they're going to lose a lot of these these score games, 17-14, 17-13, 20-17, something like that, until they learn how to, you know, be aggressive and you know and you know you know put their foot down on a on a team's chances. Basically, Philip Lindsay, I think, said it best post game in, in the locker room. He said, "Hey, look at the Broncos Super Bowl team from you know a few years ago. They they won these type of games consistently all the time. We have to figure out how to win these type of games." That's what Lindsay said. Yeah, and you know, you even look at the the Charger one. It was twenty to seventeen, but they led seventeen nothing, and they hung on for dear life. They didn't really close out that game as much as Philip Rivers gave it to them. They have to learn how to finish. Yeah, and the Tennessee game was sixteen nothing. Well. The Titans were in bad shape. Marcus there. Mariota looked like a peewee quarterback. Yeah, and he got benched in the Mariota era end of the day. That's what they should have done. So the problem the problem overall is, is they can't score. I mean, they've had 125 points through eight, eight games. That's tied for the fifth fewest of franchise history through eight games. There'll be a chart in the Denver Post print edition for that tomorrow. So make sure you pick that up through your when you're done shoveling. But until they score some points... I think the entire locker room is going to have the feeling of, okay, here we go again. It's not like if there be one thing, if they're losing 41-37 or 35-30, you can say, hey, hey, keep on keeping on on offense, defense, tighten some things up. I think it's easier to turn around this way. If you're losing 15-13, that means you are not scoring at all, and you're doing great things on defense, but just not enough. Yeah, and props to the defense, especially with the inexperience. We talked about Devonta Harris. We talked about Duke Dawson. Uh, you've got guys like a journeyman like Mike Purcell stepping in up at the nose tackle. Of course, you have your linchpins like Von Miller, like Derek Wolf. But the the defense can only do so much. And you sense the offense's frustration with themselves with the play calling that they're hanging their defensive teammates out to dry. Yeah, and, and you know this is a team that does not block well. Um, you know, they had a couple drops today. Uh, so they, they're, the, the margin for on offense is very, very slim, and it's very narrow on defense too. So, you know, you don't really blame Vic Fangio. It's his first, first year. He inherited a lot of these guys. But really, it just shows you that it is a flawed roster that lacks playmakers on both sides of the ball, even though there are some named guys. Again, folks, First in Orange podcast, Ryan O'Halloran and Kyle Newman. Appreciate you listening in to the podcast. 
Be sure to head to denverpost.com slash Broncos for continued coverage of this dumpster fire as we go forward here into November. Again, we are here from Indianapolis and appreciate you listening in to the show. 1513 Broncos lose to the Colts. Until next time, folks, take it easy.